everybody welcome back to negro police radio i'm your host chris allen how's everybody doing glad to be back and as usual off the top i want to take the time out to thank each and every last one of you for tuning in downloading streaming however you're taking my podcast i appreciate it uh welcome if you're new this is it this is my podcast it's about 20 30 minutes um i talk about the different things in my life about my son political shit just whatever's on my mind so um yeah this is it share it with a friend if you hate it share it if you like it share it it doesn't matter. Share, like, subscribe, all that shit. But welcome back to another episode of Negro Please Radio. All right, I'm going to jump in. I'm in the middle of doing something. I'm pissed. I can't finish it. I should have just bought it. I, I, I'm i in the middle of changing my spark plugs for my car. Um, couldn't find any spark plug sockets, so I just tried to use a regular, and I was stuck. And I should have just bought one of those little pincher things. I didn't do that. So my, my wife had to go off to, to, to do a radio interview. So she's not here. It's just me and Yosh Bosch. And now I just got to wait until she gets back to go to Lowe's and, and or Walmart and get a pincher thing. But, um, yeah, doing my own car repairs. Um, they make it so difficult. Why Why doesn't any car manufacturer, and I know why. I understand why. But just fucking make it easy for people to get to the goddamn spark plugs. Well, I'm, I'm taking off all these panels and and reservoirs and shit. Just just let me get to the goddamn spark plugs. You just and look, I'm not anti-capitalism, but it's just like, yeah, make this shit inconvenient so no one wants to do it, so everybody else can make money. That's what this shit is. It's like, all right, let's just inconvenience each other so that no one wants to do what I do. <laughs> and it's not even a skill. A lot of times, it's just, you don't want to waste your time. I get it. There's some car shit that is really hard to do. But a lot of shit is really simple. But they just make it cumbersome. So you're like, fuck it. I'll spend the $700 instead of just doing it. And it cost me $200. It's annoying. But anyway, uh, the milestone for the week. For those who don't know, we have a nine-year-old son. His name is Miles. And uh, I talked about the different things that are going on in his life. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's nothing. And uh, this week is small, but it's big, if that makes sense. If that makes sense, sorry. Um, I got to say, I'm very proud of Miles. He's, he's always looked up other kids. And I noticed my niece, Madison, does this as well. Um, uh, I think Madison has a, a, a kid in her class who was on the spectrum. And she likes to help them out, stay behind you know, uh, include them in the activities that they might not be too uh, keen on on doing or behind. And Miles is the same way. He has a kid in his class. Uh, I don't want to get too specific because, you know, it's private stuff. But he's got some health issues. Uh, And unfortunately, this kid, um, I don't believe he will reach adulthood. And his body's failing him. And it's it's, it's tough to see whenever we do all go out. He can't really run around with the other kids. and what Miles likes to do is like he'll hang out with them. You know, they actually went over to his house the other day. They hung out. But I, I really like the fact that my son, uh, when he sees other kids who can't physically participate, that that makes him feel a certain kind of way. And it'll make him go, you know what? This kid is watching everybody run around, have a great time. They obviously can't do that. I'm going to go over there and spend some time with them to make them feel included. And uh, I love that about my son. He, he, he notices that. He notices that. 
he has a soft spot for that. And uh, I really felt, I like the fact that uh, he just has empathy for other people. And hopefully, you know, that that continues as he gets older um, and he wants to help people who may need, you know, help physically or socially. Um, I'm just really, really proud of him that he that he notices these things and he takes the time out to uh, to help others. And uh, yeah, so shout out to Miles, man. If you have a kid like that, shout out to your kid. That means you're doing something right. Uh, all right, so I'm kind of behind, uh, not with the podcast, but where I, the stories that I'm telling, the things that I've gone on. Uh, like this, this happened a week and a half, almost two weeks ago. So, um, you know, let me just get the dates. Let me just get the date range. It'll, it'll be a little bit easier. So today is July 27th. All of this happened uh, last, yeah, week before last. This all happened the weekend of the 15th and 16th of July. So about two weeks ago. All right. So <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, I had a planned busy week. The, the week prior to that, uh, I, I want to say we came back from, yeah, we came back from Rochester. Me and Miles were in Rochester. I did the show, had a great time. Come back here for the following week of January, July 10th through the 16th. All right, I got to get this these dates straight in my mind. All right, so I'm back from Rochester. Had a great time. Um, had a great time with the family, with the comics. Um, got home safely. That was great. So later that week, I have a lot going on. I go, man, all right. So the plan was to uh, drive down to Atlanta on Friday and attend a surprise 50th wedding anniversary party for my aunt and uncle uh, Kay and Roosevelt. That was the plan. So Tuesday, I'm at the house. I'm on my computer. I'm doing some shit. I think I might have been writing some jokes or whatever. And I look at my phone. I get this email and have you guys ever signed up for any type of service, whether it's like a podcast or whatever it may be, and you get those uh, marketing emails, but it's, it doesn't come from like, say, I'm using StreamYard. It's not like from StreamYard marketing. It'll be like uh, Mark Kubiak or just some random name. You're like, what is this? So I, I see a random name pop up in my email and I'm like, God damn it. This is one of those marketing emails that, that try to make it seem like it's personal and it's not. And I'm like, what is this bullshit? I almost deleted it without even opening it. But I look at it, and it just says, you know what? Let me just fucking pull this goddamn thing up. I got it right here, I think. Maybe I don't. If I can't pull it up quickly, then I won't pull it up. Uh, I'm skipping it, so I think I'm going to skip it. I can't find it. I'm going to skip it. I get an email. And it's just like, hey, are you open to uh, are you open on Saturday to open for the one and only Neil Brennan? And I'm like, my mind is blown. I can't find the email. My mind is blown. I take it for a split second. I'm like, this has to be a hoax. This can't be real. And I want to say maybe a day or two before that, I got the rejection email from the JFL saying I didn't get in. And it's like, hey, that's fine. But I actually felt really good about that set when I was done with it. And I remember getting off stage going, I got it. I got JFL. I made it. This is it. And um, I didn't. But you know what? I had to remind myself how I felt when I came off stage. And I have to say, it really didn't affect me at all. I, I was just like, you know what? I didn't get it. It's fine. I, I felt great about what I did on stage. 
So this is off the heels of getting a, a, a rejection from JFL after headlining in Rochester. So I saw it up and down and, and I'm like, holy shit, open it for Neil Britton. And I'm like, it's on, sorry, it's on Friday. I'm like, damn it. I blocked this off to go to Atlanta for over a year. I told myself, do not book anything. This can't happen. And like I said on previous podcasts, I've really been trying to be, um, more conscious and aware of spending time with my family and not diving so much into comedy, into my career and into myself. And I'm like, I have to put just as much um, into my family and relationships as uh, I do with comedy and my career. And I, I felt really, really conflicted. I can't lie. I was, I was pretty upset. I, if I'm being totally honest, I started crying and I'm like, this is a huge opportunity. It's an opportunity of a lifetime, but I also said, I'm going to, not put comedy before my family. And I'm like, why do I started asking myself, why do things have to happen this way? So I go, you know what? I, I have to do this. So long story short, thank God I have a very supportive wife and family and the party is on Saturday. We were going to drive down on Friday. And I'm like, I have to make this work somehow. So I, I I tried all these permutations. I was like, what if they come up to D.C. with me and then they fly down to D.C., out of D.C. to Atlanta to go to this party? I can't make it. You know, what if I come back home? We all fly out the next day. My mom wanted to pay. I was like, well, what if we just got up and drove that day? It, it was just a lot. And I go, you know what? All of that is too expensive. It's too much. This is what we're going to do. So. I really had no plans of, of going up at up that much that week. And I go, you know what? I'm going to need to get some sets in. So I end up going up there Thursday, to D, going up to D.C. on Thursday. I do a couple sets. It's fun. And my ultimate plan is I'm just going to, since I'm up in D.C., I'm just going to fly Saturday morning out of D.C. to Atlanta and come back Sunday. So that's what I end up doing. But anyway, so that's that's the plan. Do the Neil Brennan show, and I'll go to the party by myself. I know people want to see my wife. I want my son to play with his cousins and all that kind of stuff. But it's just not financially feasible to move everybody down there for a day and a half. If if that, it's a lot of money. So Thursday I go up. I have a couple sets. It goes great. Um, I stay at my boy TJ's house. He lives in a really nice neighborhood in Chevy Chase. I mean, just really, really fucking nice neighborhood, man. I stay there. We hang out. It's been a while. And TJ, that's like one of my original road dogs, man. And when I first moved here, uh, he was a guy I would go around, you know, uh, Virginia with doing shows, mics and all that kind of stuff. And then he moved up to Fairfax. And for about two, three years, I would stay at his house, do shows. We would hang out, eat snacks, smoke, just laugh, go to the gym, just, just guy shit, just being good friends, talking. And uh, he moved, ended up moving in with his girl, and we hadn't really spent that much time together, one, because of the pandemic, and he was living with his girl in D.C. So it was a throwback to uh, our early days in Vegas, you know, at his place, hanging out, watching TV, laughing, snacks and shit. Uh, It was a good night. So Saturday morning, I get up. I got myself a hotel in D.C. I drive into D.C., and he he lives in a great location, man. He's literally about 20 minutes outside D.C. You just drive down Connecticut Avenue and you go from Maryland to D.C. within 10, 15 minutes. It's fucking great. Um, 
So I get up Saturday. I mean, wait, shit. Friday. I'm sorry. Get up. Like I said, driving to D.C. I get lucky. I find parking in the city right across the street from my hotel. Um, my room isn't ready, so I walk around for a while. Uh, I had just got me a nice sativa, too. I think it was Jack Frost. So in D.C., you can smoke wherever. So and that's one of my favorite things to do, man. Like whenever I go to the city, I like to get up early and um, I'll hit the pen, hit a bowl and just walk around with a nice rate. Not not too racy, but a nice sativa to get the to get the thoughts flowing. You know, the colors look more vibrant. The birds are louder. You just appreciate nature more. The sun looks beautiful. You know, people walking around. Uh, on the cell phones, doing business. They got their work shit on. It just—it was just a beautiful day to walk around D.C., a little lifted, uh, and just listening to the sounds of the city. I stop, I get something to eat. The room was ready. I go up, shower, take a nap, relax, and uh, Uber over to the show. The one show, I want to say it's at 7 o'clock, one show. Uh, the Uber is like $33, man. Fucking just, just outrageous. Just outrageously expensive. Um, oh, let me back up. I'm sorry. So throughout my day Saturday, my boy is Secret Service and he works at the White House. And my hotel is maybe a block and a half from the White House. I'm like, oh, shit. So I walk over to the White House. Got this joint in my mouth. I'm standing in front. I, I, uh, I take a picture of myself. I give him the finger and I send it to him. I go, hey, I'm outside your job. Get out here. And I, I walk around a little bit more. You know, not too far away. And he hits me up and he goes, hey, man, I actually got some free time. So I walk back over to the White House and uh, it's just really cool to see him walk from behind the gate. He's got the vest on. He's got the suit, the pin, the earpiece. It's just it was just a boss move, man. A good friend of mine, somebody I served with years ago, uh, he's Secret Service, man. I think that's really cool. He, he really enjoys the job. They're working him hard. Uh, you can just tell he's super stressed the fuck out, man. But it's just really cool to have a friend that is that close to the toppest, the toppest, the, the highest levels of, of, of government. And he's working security. It, it's pretty dope. So we, we, uh, we chop it up for a while. He unfortunately can't make it to the show, but his lady can. I get him some comp tickets. Uh, but it was nice to see him. I, I was staying with him in New York and we were hoping to be able to hang out more when he moved closer to me here. But this job is way crazier than what he was doing. Uh, he was still Secret Service, but this is way more high de high demand uh, here in D.C. than it was in, in, in New York City. So he's been really, really busy. But I'm, I'm proud of him, man. It's, it's really dope to see uh, so yeah, we hung out for a little bit and, uh, that's when I went back to the room, I rested, I, I, I get the Uber, I head over and it's in, um, the Navy Yard area of DC, which is, it seems to be fairly new, a lot of new builds, a lot of renovations. Um, the, the show was at this place called the DC turnaround. I guess it's a church during the day, during the week or something like that, but they also rent it out for events like this. And it's a really, really nice little, uh, theater. Pretty modern. It looks like one of if you guys, uh, I think it's called Song Hill. That church it had a, they had a documentary about it where like they had a really hot preacher and turns out he was like fucking people and all this type of shit. But anyway, it kind of looks like that. 
it kind of has that that vibe, that vibe to it. Just a new, a uh, new age uh, shady church where everybody wears uh, Christian Dior and the preacher's wearing fucking Gucci shit. You know, he's got a cool haircut, Jordans, some maybe some some fucking uh, Grails on, teaching you about the gospel while wearing uh, nine thousand dollars sneakers. <laughs> but anyway, I get there. It seats about a thousand. I want to say nine eighty two to be exact. Something somewhere around there. I, I think I wrote that down somewhere. But it's a beautiful theater. I, I walk around just to get the feel of it. Uh, the green room was really cool. It's kind of got this uh, modern, um, uh, mid modern. What's it called? Mid modern, mid modern century, mid century. Mo that, that's it. Mid century modern look to it. Really cool looking fridge. They got all these. Uh, vegan snacks and nuts and hummus and weird crackers and waters and shit. And uh, so I'm guessing that's all Neil shit. So I walk around, I get my intro music and in walks old Neil Brennan, all six foot, 109 pounds of them. Dude is super skinny. Uh, I was really nervous because he's one of those guys I've listened to his voice so much. I've seen him on so many things, but to have that face and voice right in front of me was surreal. I introduced myself. He's like, hey, what's up? Uh, we go back into the green room and we just start talking, man. He's really, really cool. Uh, I might have asked too many questions, but when am I going to get to talk to Neil Brennan? Maybe never again. You know, just weird. I think the weirdest thing I asked him, uh, I'll disclose this. I, I go, everybody in Hollywood loves uh, Gerard Carmichael. I remember when he was on your podcast, The Champs, before way before he even blew up like what is it about people like that that y'all notice i don't you know i don't know what it is and he was just saying it was just something about the guy he was very very confident likable and stuff like that um just i don't know why i asked that question i didn't bring up dave at all <laughs> but um so we you know we talked before the show uh I, I go up it's a nice crowd um i i it's a two man show. So I really feel like I have to MC this thing. So I come out. I'm super like, Hey, what's up everybody. Welcome to the venue. You know, just talking to everybody. And then I settle into my set. I have a, I have a good set. Everything didn't hit like I wanted to, but I had a solid set. I felt good about it. Um, I get, I get off stage. I bring him on and he kills for about an hour and some change, man. And just to watch how he just mined so much, um, out of each joke, you know, it's just like, oh, abortion or alcohol or uh, PD, whatever it may be. It's just like, it's not just a couple jokes. It's six, seven, 10, 12, 15 minutes of just joke, 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 joke. It's just, it's phenomenal to watch. His point of view is great. His delivery on stage uh, is it, great, man. He, You can tell he really knows himself. He's really comfortable uh, with himself on stage. He's very, very confident in what he does. And it definitely rings true uh, in his performance. And what I really like about Neil, man, is just like he's a pretty serious guy uh, off stage. Not that he doesn't crack jokes, but he's a he's a serious guy. But uh, he's so silly on stage uh, with the act outs and stuff like that. And there's a lot of comics you would never see do that. You know, where like their persona, persona on stage and off stage. Uh, they kind of match. If they're cool on stage, they're kind of cool off stage. But then you have some comics who are kind of cool off on stage, but then a lot more uh, wild off stage and, and vice versa. 
And uh, I was just surprised uh, to see how silly he can be on stage with the, with the, with the act outs and the faces and the noises and stuff like that. Uh, it's just great to see. Like he 100% delves into his craft, you know, it's just like, if I'm going to be on stage as a comic doing silly shit, I'm going to go, go all out silly. Like sometimes I feel silly doing act outs of voices or characters, but not Neil. And it was great to see. Um, the show went well. We hung out with some of his friends afterwards. We went out to eat. Uh, we talked about politics, uh, comedy. He, he said he really liked my stuff, and he told me to talk about myself more uh, and to just really challenge myself, just really challenge myself to, to get better, try new things. And um, it, was a, it, was a great, it was a great night, man. It, I really couldn't have asked for anything better, to be honest. Uh, it, all, it all went well. Um, yeah, I had, a, I had a great time. He was super cool. And, uh, that's a relationship that I hope to further and nourish. And is that the right word to you? Nurture. So, uh, he told me to hit him up when I go out to LA, hopefully I'll get to do a show out there. Uh, and if you aren't really familiar with Neil Brennan, I don't know how you know anything about me if you don't, but if you haven't heard of him, please check him out. I don't know how you have, like I said, co-creator of Chappelle show, three mics on Netflix. He's recording a new special. In L.A., I want to say August 20th. So if you're out there, go check him out, man. And uh, he just really gave me some good writing advice, writing tips. And uh, I didn't realize how much I was editing myself in writing. You know, I was writing in jokes. I was I was trying to just write bits. And he was just like, what are you doing? He's like, you got to write it all down. And I didn't really I didn't even think about that because I had been writing in my own way for so long. I was just writing strictly bits. It's like, no, write everything that comes to mind that, that, uh, that brought this premise up. It's kind of like cooking. Like when you got like a nice juice in the bottom of the pan, you want to scrape all that fucking good shit off the bottom of the pan. That's what the flavor is. And that's what the same thing with the jokes. It's just like, yeah, people want the juice, but all the good shit is in the fucking scraps. It's like all the really good stuff is in the process. And I don't, I don't know how I forgot that. I just, like I said, I think I just got so caught up in my own writing writing process to where I would go, oh, that's not funny. I'm not going to write that. No, write all that shit down. So that's what I've been doing. I've been writing in long form a lot more lately. And I have to say, it makes writing easier to a degree and more fun and less pressure because I would just sit down like, okay, I have this premise. I got to think of a joke. Got to think of the joke. No, write down all the ideas. And that's what I've been doing. And that's kind of what I want to try to move towards. It's like, I like doing short, quick jokes, but if I want to take myself to the next level, you really got to dive into each subject and mine out as much as possible. So uh, that is a little scary for me because I feel like if I, if the jokes are too long, people get bored. They don't want to listen to me. So I think for the last few years, I've really moved away with moved away from trying to write long form jokes, but that's what all the greats do. You know, it's just not a simple setup punchline. There's way more meat uh, to the joke than that. And that's what I'm, I'm striving for. So uh, shout out to Neil, man. I had a great week, uh, a great night. Uh, I almost said weekend. I had a great night working with them. It was fantastic. Uh, if, you, if you're listening because you saw me on that show with them, I appreciate you guys for, for checking me out. Uh, thanks, thanks for all the nice messages I've gotten from people. Thanks to all the comics who sent me messages asking how it was. It was, it was fantastic. 
Uh, I really, I'll say this too. I really feel like something is on the horizon. I just have to keep my head down, remain positive and just keep working. I know there's a a couple other things I need to get in line, but I feel like something is there. I I, I have to focus on me, worry about me and, and run through the tape, you know, just run through that finish line. Um, so that was a great night. I, I was planning on going to Hotbed and hanging out with the DC Comics, but we ended up staying out pretty late. Uh, his friends drove us back to the hotel. First time riding the Tesla, pretty dope. Um, yeah. So I get back to the hotel. I shower. I pack all my stuff up. Make sure my car is there. Everything's fine. Um, I get to bed around one. I think my flight left the next morning at seven. I get yeah. I get to bed around 1.30. Uh, I think I set my alarm for like 5.30. I get up at 5.30. I throw my clothes on, hop in the car, drive to Dulles. You know, this. I'll say this too. Nobody around. I hate the GPS in, D- in D.C. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to trust the GPS, do what it says. And But there's so many layers in, that I was driving underneath of where I needed to be. So I ended up driving into a dead end. I had to turn around. I said, fuck the GPS. I think I know my way around D.C. a little bit. I got back to the freeway, followed the signs, got to Dulles, and um, no issues at the airport at all. Hop on the plane. I get to Atlanta around 9 a.m. My hotel is not ready. I'm right next door to my mom's. I go up to her room, leave my stuff there. We head to uh, Cracker Barrel for breakfast. Cracker Barrel. The classic old old black folk go to. It's like a nine hour wait. Um, but we go to Cracker Barrel, man. I'm hanging out with the family, have a good time. Um, my hotel room was finally ready. I, I go to the room, uh, rest. I get my suit ready. My suit. I found a suit. For those who know me, I don't like dressing up. I really don't own any dress clothes. Uh, and I'm scrambling because like this is a nice event. I go. I have to wear something, something nice. So before I left, I was like, let me check out the Goodwill. And I'm not a Goodwill guy. Yeah, I feel like that's for people who really are on their last leg. But hey, you know what? I'm a struggling artist now. So I'm eligible for uh, Goodwill in my mind. Before, I wouldn't do it. I was active duty. I had money. Now I'm poor. I'm going to Goodwill. So I go to Goodwill. I'm looking, 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 nothing. And I get down to the last suit. And I'm like, what is this? I try the jacket on. It fits. I put the pants on over my shorts. They fit. It's $15. I find a $15 suit. It's got the jackets, the pants. Good to go. I find it, I want to say like on a Monday or Tuesday. So I'm like, I got time to get this dry clean. It's good. The dry cleaning cost me $14. Like, yeah, $14. The suit was $15. It cost me just as much to dry clean as to buy the suit. <laughs> But I thought it looked fine. I found a white shirt. I, I um, Some years back, I traded a, a um, an Invicta watch. It had a cracked uh, face for a pair of red wing boots. I bartered. I wanted these red wing boots so bad. I got them. Then I was like, I don't like how they look on me for some reason. I don't know. But I was like, I'm not buying any shoes. I dusted off the old uh, red wing boots. They look great. I look fine. So head back to the hotel, iron up my suit. We're supposed to meet at, I want to say five. 
because the dinner is at six thirty, and we they want everybody there early so that there's no nobody trying to to uh you know squeeze in as they're trying to arrive and fuck everything up. So we get to this little party house. Uh, it's beautifully decorated. They got the big fifty, the colors. Uh, they got a DJ. They've got the. Um, have you guys seen the little selfie station where it, they put the camera on this little motor and it spins around you and you can take like a 360? They had that. They had um, an open bar, which is funny. It's because my entire life I grew up, my family was pretty religious. No one drank. And here I am almost four years into sobriety. And all of a sudden, my family admits to drinking alcohol. So when I'm done... This is when everybody else is drinking wine, mixed drink, cocktails, beers. And I'm like, I was made to feel like shit for drinking. I felt so guilty in my 20s. All that religious guilt in my 20s, to, that, that made, I felt horrible. And here they are drinking now, and I don't drink. Found out pretty funny. So um, everybody's there, my, my sisters, their husbands, the nieces, Everybody looks great. Everybody's dressed up. My aunts, uncles, uh, on my uncle's side down there, the, the the William side, they're all there. I want to say a sister he hadn't seen in 18 years. Her kid, her grandkids, they all come. And, um, you know, just meeting everybody. And uh, they finally show up. And let me tell you, they were shocked. They didn't know what to expect. They had their song planned. They come in. It's emotional. People are clapping. People are crying. The, like I said, the music's going. They're going around hugging everybody. He sees his sister, his great, uh, his, his uh, nieces and nephews. Uh, uh, his mother is there. Um, it's just great. They We dance. We eat. My mom gave a beautiful speech. His mother, Uncle Roosevelt's mom, gave a speech. Uh, having his mother give a speech was, uh, it was, it really uh, added some extra uh, perspective to this event for me. 50 years of marriage. And like, here she is like close to her nineties. And I'm like, man, when they got married, this woman was like almost in the prime of her life. And here she is this elderly woman. I mean, to get to see her daughter married for 50 years and to be there and to speak at the event. Uh, it made me miss my grandmother. You know, she missed this event by about a year. Uh, it would have been awesome to have her there. Um, but just the 50 is such a big number. And I'm just looking around like, man, you know, 50 years is, is a long time. They were like, they were basically kids. I mean, I can't even imagine the people who aren't around anymore who were there when they got married. Like there's generations of, two generations just gone, you know? This, it just made me just think about the, the passage of time and how long 50 years really truly is. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. It was It was a great time. We had a lot of fun. I'm glad I made it. I wish my whole family could have uh, made it down, but that's how Hollywood works, man. This show business, man. It's just last minute things. And the biggest thing for me, I just, I, on this journey, I want to make sure I am not tossing my family aside, but luckily I have a family who uh, they understand that they're understanding. Um, I said that, I said, they understand. No, they understand. They're understanding. They're supportive. And I think by me going down there, even having that going on, you know, with Neil, because I, I could have easily go, hey, you know what? I can't do it. I got this thing on set on Friday. I'm going to be in D.C. It's just too much. 
But I think uh, taking the extra, uh, going the extra mile to and making sure that I spent time with my family um, during such an important milestone for everybody, especially my aunt and uncle. Uh, I think that meant something to them. It meant something to me. I'm glad I went again. I wish my family could have been there, but unfortunately I just financially just was not feasible or logistically feasible to try to do that show, drive back to Charlottesville, pick them up, sleep, then drive eight and a half hours. That just would have been way too much. But uh, thanks to Neil. Thank you to my family. If you're new, I appreciate it. Uh, I got a lot coming up this month. Uh, this I'll be at Fayetteville in Fayetteville at the Irish Patty Pub, August fourth. That's a one nighter with a uh, funny funny business. Uh, August fourteenth, I'll be one night. And to, and to be honest, I'm not really sure how this show is going to go, but I'm going to be doing three shows at the Tampa Side Splitters with Norman, Joe List. Ari Shafir and uh, some other people can't say I don't want to spoil it. I'll be down there for enormous bachelor party. That'll be really, really dope. Oh, I, I just added this too. I, I forgot. So August 6th, if you in the Leesburg area, Northern Virginia area, I will be at the Tally Ho theater. So, and I want to say that's two shows. I want to say six 30 and nine or something like that. So August 4th, Fayetteville, North Carolina at the uh, Patty's Irish Pub, August 6th, Tally Ho Theater, Leesburg, Virginia, not too far outside of D.C. August 14th, um, Tampa Side Splitters, three shows with Norman and them. And then I had a date get moved on me. Uh, I was supposed to go to St. Louis in September, but that date has been moved up. I'm coming sooner. I'll be at the St. Louis Helium in the garage room. The small room, August 26th and 27th. Tickets are on sale now. Check them out. Come see me. Tell a friend. And um, two weeks after that, September 8th through the 10th, I will be at the Richmond Funny Bone with Mark Norman. And with that being said, there's a show. That's the show. I'm out. Peace. Oh, you know what? Let me say this before I go. I'm not done. Now, there was a mall shooter uh, in, where the fuck was it at? In Indiana a couple of weeks ago. And you always hear right-wing people talking about you need a good guy with a gun to stop a bad guy with a, bad guy with a gun, right? You got, well, we've all heard the theory. Now, here's a guy. I want to say he headshotted his name. He, I want to say it's Elijah Dickin. It's spelled strangely. E-L-I-S-J-S-H-A. Elijah Dickin. He shot this guy from 40 yards away with a headshot. Uh, a, a few people, a, a couple people were killed in this, but it could have been worse. This guy had, this kid had an AR, this guy. I'm not going to call him a kid. 20-year-old white kid. Dude, man. 20-year-old white male, man. Had a uh, some type of uh, semi-automatic handgun and, a, and an AR-15, so that could have gotten super, super ugly. Hundred-round clips, drums, all that shit. A lot of ammo. Take this, takes this guy out. Stops a a, a tragic uh, event from getting even worse. Now here is a textbook example. 
a textbook example of this good guy with the gun stopping a bad guy with the gun. And here's the thing. Where's all this national uh, coverage for this? This is the guy. This is the, this is one of those times where it's this is the story they've been waiting for. This is the story they always talk about, about why people should carry. And he's not being held up nationally as this hero. Now, but when it comes to um, when it comes to Kyle Rittenhouse, George Zimmerman, cops that are shooting unarmed people. All of a sudden, these people become national heroes. Why isn't this guy a hero? I can tell you why, because it had nothing to do with black people. Whenever these people, these right wing people uh, feel like they're defending themselves against black people or any black cause and someone's get shot and they're doing it in the name of self-defense, they love that. But here you have a white dude shooting up white people killed by another white guy and it's, you get nothing. Where's his national media attention? Where's the NRA um, holding this guy up? Where's Fox News holding this guy up? Where's Newsmax holding this guy? Why isn't he getting on all these right-wing podcasts? Why? Because there's no there's no association with black people, BLM, people of color, none of that shit. So you only say people care when black people are killed by white people. You only care when it's that situation. Where's the national coverage? Why isn't this guy a hero? Where's his GoFundMe? Well, y'all raising them millions of fucking dollars. You don't see it. Now we can get out of here. There's a show. That's the show. Check him out. Elijah Dickens.